Happiness runs in a circular motion. Thought is like a little boat upon the Hello, sea. Hello, and welcome Everybody to Campfires and Color Wars, podcast about summer camps and stories we love to tell about them. Like the time my camper made a full cup of black coffee, which he was definitely not allowed to, and I told him if he took one sip, he would have to drink the entire thing, which he did, and he did. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know, but it seemed right at the time. Hi, I'm Micah Hart, and for the next 45 minutes or so, we're going to press pause on the world around us and transport back to the days of our adolescence when the school year was just one long rest hour between days at camp. If you have a camp memory you'd like to have featured at the top of the show, you can always email us your short stories to summercamppod at gmail.com. And if you're going to do that, why not go on iTunes, go on Google, whatever, wherever you can give a rating or review of the podcast, and give it to us. Give me! <laughs> so we can continue to reach as many former campers as we can. Uh, fun episode this week with uh, Lana Schwartz, uh, a uh, comedic writer, I think is fair to say, uh, and a wonderful storyteller. Uh, really enjoyed having her on. Uh, I have followed her on Twitter for a while, um, but definitely wanted to reach out to her because this summer marked the 20th anniversary of the greatest camp movie of all time, Wet Hot American Summer, and uh, she wrote a, a piece on that that uh, piqued my interest. So I reached out, and here we are. Uh, had a really good time talking to her. We'll get to that in just a minute. I wanted to just take uh, a quick sec to remind you that our Kickstarter for our 2022 desktop calendar, 365 Things to Remind You of Camp, uh, is still going on. And we are so close to our goal. If we can raise $4,000, we can make it for you, and we are just several hundred dollars away from that uh, as we are recording this uh, intro to this podcast. Um, so I will put a link to it in the uh, in the blog post show notes. Um, but look, you went to camp. I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't. Um, but it's really fun. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, and uh, I want to make them. Let's put it that way. So help us get across the finish line 365 things to remind you of summer camp. It's a daily, one-a-day calendar. Put it on your desktop. Put it in your kitchen. Wherever you are going to need that few minutes uh, jolt of fresh air, uh, taking you back to your happy place of camp. Uh, Thank you for your support, everyone who has already supported it. Um, And for those of you that have not, you know, please. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, We are... Taking a break of who knows one uh, for the Jewish High Holidays, um, so we will be back September twenty second for new episodes of that, um, and we are starting to book out shows for the fall. We are uh, taking the show on the road, which I'm very excited about. We're going to be at Cornell Hillel in October and looking to book other in person uh, dates as well, assuming that uh, it is safe to do so, which. Knock on wood, uh, we will keep pressing to get there. If you're not vaccinated, get vaxxed. It's just worth saying that. All right, enough of me bantering on, mumbling along. Uh, let's get to a, a really fun interview with uh, writer and raconteur, Lana Schwartz. Lana, 
foremost, uh, I have developed a reputation over the past year with this uh, game show that I host called Who Knows One of being terrible at pronunciations and butchering people's names constantly. So I know it's Lana like banana. Uh, I'm going to do my best to call you Lana throughout the show. I don't know how often you have to say someone's name in a conversation, so it may not even come up again. Um, but that's just to say that uh, I apologize in advance if I screw it up, um, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's dive into it. Um, you wrote a piece uh, recently about uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Um, and really, it's almost like I should just have like a Google alert set up for any time someone talks about Wet Hot because my ears just sort of perk up because as someone who, you know, went to summer camp for a very long time and, uh, and loves it, uh, that movie is perfection. <laughs> um, and actually, as we are taping this, I think I just saw in the last couple days, uh, David Wayne, former podcast guest, uh, dropped on, uh, on Instagram stories, like it's the 20, 20 year anniversary of the show. I, was that part of why you wrote that piece or was it just coincidence? It was actually, yeah, that was part of how I pitched it was it's the 20th anniversary. I think they had multiple openings. Like there was one. Um, like I think there was one at like a film festival and then one a more proper opening. So I was like, well, there are two different openings and I can use that either way. It came out 20 years ago this year. And what is your, like, when did you first come across the movie? I think at camp. I remember I watched it at camp and I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't like, um, this is impossible because this is my camp and I'm here right now. And I don't mean literally this is my camp. Right. Because I did not go to the camp where they filmed it, but I was like, this is what my camp experience is. Um, so it felt uh, like being inside the TV. So give me, give me a couple of examples of uh, what from the movie really resonated with your experience at camp. And then uh -huh. also, by the way, where did you go and for how long we can we can get into that as well so i um i guess like so much of it i think for me the real thing was when they go into town because <laughs> that was such a thing like going into town and you all knew what everybody was talking about and it wasn't like the town didn't need a name you just knew that was town um so that was really funny to me the way everybody dresses is so like nondescript. And that felt like when I first, I first started going to camp in the late nineties and that felt more true to how people dressed like back then. Um, I guess obviously it was shot in 01 and takes place, you know, at a different time than that. I think right. what it's I think the early eighties. Early eighties, yeah. yeah. So, it, But even going to camp in like 99, that's how people dressed like, like, uh, Sophie shorts and whatever else. And then um, like the way everything looks feels very accurate too. Like it's not like the red cabins and like bunks and it's not like fancy. Um, and like all the, yeah, like all the kids sneaking out, that all feels very <laughs> right to me. Uh, it's funny. So, uh, you know, longtime listeners of the podcast know that uh, the, the camp that I grew up at uh, was very, very uh strict and orderly mm. um and so like a lot of the there's still many many things in that movie that resonate with me from camp uh but the sneaking out that is not oh 
That was not I a thing. I ours. will start <laughs> off with this anecdote and maybe you'll see how you feel. One time I was <laughs> nine years old. I remember there had been, we had big, we had color war and color war was a huge deal. And I remember um, like it wasn't entirely cleaned up from like color war uh, the morning after. And like a bunch of us like kids were so little and like you're waking up really early as a little kid. And um, a bunch of us were just like bored. None of the counselors were up yet but we were in um, the rec hall and it wasn't cleaned up yet. And somebody got on a scooter um, and like crashed into a milk crate and was bleeding from their head. <laughs> and um, I remember all of us not knowing what to do and trying to rinse the blood off his head in the water fountain. <laughs> I, the thing is like, first of all, that's, that's alternately funny and also horrifying at the same time. But because of it being color war adjacent and sort of the commitment yeah. that everyone has to color war, I feel like I'm picturing like the red team cheering, you know, because blood is red. And so no, that's probably, we're gonna get points for that. <laughs> we had blue and white and it was the morning after it ended. Got and it. it was just like, that's just to me stands out as an example of like, uh, so so little supervision well so this is a this is a theme that uh has, so my kids uh as we are recording this my kids are uh, are at summer camp oh wow um, and i have a, a entering fourth grader and entering second grader mm -hmm. and so as a camp parent uh, to make a long story short this is really my first time as like a full camp yeah parent. and the conversations that i have with my friends who we all grew up together at camp and our kids are around the same age as going to camp is like how much different yes everything is now from when we went in the 80s and 90s in particular around like the amount of responsibility given to late teenagers and early 20s versus now like we yeah we were pretty much on our own from you know 17 to to 22 to wrangle these kids and you know, give them counseling. I mean, literally speaking, like if they're upset about something, whatever, all these things that like, you know, I think I was decent at, but obviously I had no training other there, than going to camp. <laughs> also, yeah, like none of what happened then would happen now for like a lot of reasons. You know what I mean? Like none of us, I don't know what the like phone policy is at camp, but like we didn't have anything to keep us entertained in the bunks when you're like seven, eight, nine, like, you're not probably gonna like pick up a book and read you might but you also are gonna want to run around outside with your friends and if nobody's awake like none of the counselors are awake who are all 15 like right. that's like 15 16 17 what have you like none of that would happen today so i do think you have less to worry about however i imagine it would be the uh anxiety feeling to be away from your kids well uh, I think that's the case probably for some people. It's not for me. Uh, I am one because I grew up at camp and yeah. it's like, it was like my whole, my dad was a camp director. Um, oh. Also, it's just so like, A, I'm excited for them to yeah. be starting on their journey. Uh, but for me, like, not gonna lie, it's nice to have a few weeks of quiet yes. uh, in the house and, you know, not, I mean, I was literally thinking about it. I have to go pick up my son uh, from Mississippi uh, this weekend, uh, on, on, on Friday and Saturday, like I'm gonna have to figure out what to do with him during the day. And it's like, right. 
that's what being a parent is. I forgot yes. about that in the last <laughs> three weeks. Figuring but, out uh, what to do with your kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it was yeah. very nice for a little bit. All right. So tell me, where did you go to camp uh, um, for how long? Mm -hmm. And what was the general, general experience for you like? So I went to a camp. It's called, I'll just say it's called BHEC. It's called something different now than what it was called back then. Okay. So the initials are the same, but um, the was different. They changed the name. I went for 10 summers. Um, so I started when I was nine and then I was a counselor. My general experience, uh, you know, I guess, I guess I'll say um, I am from Queens. I grew up in Queens. I went to a gigantic high school, uh, 4,500 kids. Wow. And um, I went to middle school in a different neighborhood than when I went to, where I went to high school. So there was, you know, if you're from a small town, I don't know if you are, but for people from a small town, you kind of have this thing where you go, you, the people in your high school, you know, since elementary school, right? Um, I didn't have that where I grew up. I had that at camp. <laughs> so it was very interesting, I guess, to, um, see the same people summer after summer and kind of like be seen the same way as like who you were when you were nine and it taking a lot to really realize people to, to show people that you were different than you were when you were nine um so yeah it was very interesting um I went to like a camp where um like you never really knew what year it was um uh, because like it was a lot of like tapestries and incense and like Birkenstocks and like that kind of thing and that changed eventually but for a lot of my camp experience it was like this hippie camp where we all like listened to classic rock and yeah like there was a lot of like Dave Matthews also sure which was like you know contemporary but like the, like the very very like chill vibes and then i think that changed a little bit as i got older um like uh yeah that changed started to change um and i think some of the stuff reflected in our culture became like glaringly obvious if that got makes it. sense uh yeah and so curious because it sounds like your experience there changed over time uh did you enjoy it more as you got older or did you enjoy it more when you were younger? I think the way, I think it's like, I enjoyed it for so long, but I think I had an increasingly complicated relationship with it. It was kind of like a weird place to come of age. I think it was like not a place where the right things were valued. I mean, like, because it was such a focus on like hooking up and dating and there was a lot of drinking and like a lot of drugs. And, um, and this is amongst the kids too, or, or the staff, the staff, and then some of the kids as well. Got it. Got so it. like a lot of like really complicated stuff, but like some of the people I met there are like the best people I've met in my whole life. And I don't, I can't imagine not know, like, you know, I'm still, I still talk to some of them and like whatever. And I can't imagine who, I, even if I'm not as close with them now, I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have them then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think most most people that I know that went to camp can certainly relate to that. Uh, you know, it, and it's interesting because the way you framed it, uh, I can see it being a positive or negative. The 
they've known me since I was nine and they still see me as that person. In some ways that can be great because it's like, yeah, you you go on to become a, you know, a Hollywood superstar, a titan of industry, like whatever, they still know you as the same kid and they see through sort of like that facade and that's refreshing. And I think it's great to have those kinds of people in your life. And I, I, I guess the, oh, so go ahead. I also have good stuff I can say. <laughs> You're like, it's so negative, sorry. No, 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 hey, well, listen, I mean, this is your experience. Uh, the, the, right, so the flip side of that is, you know, if you're a certain way when you're little and people won't let you forget about it, yeah. uh, sort of like, I, I don't think this probably applies to you exactly, but it's like uh, the, the joke of like, ah, you fuck one goat and, uh, you know, um, yeah, so I can see that being uh, a difficult thing if, uh, you know, if, if you want to, if you feel like you've grown into something different and just, you know, into more of yourself, yeah. do you feel like you grew into more of yourself over the course of time at camp, whether or not people appreciated it? Yeah, I will say yes. It would be, it would be so funny if I was like, no, I got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, great at the beginning and then I yeah. just, you know, mad on power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think like, um, yeah, I think it was like, it was a really interesting experience. Yeah, like I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I think I really loved how, I think when I like, like I said, kind of complicated, but I think I love just how like freeing a lot of it felt. Um, we didn't really do that many activities. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times we would have an activity and it like would not happen. Like if we had volleyball, I don't know how often we really played volleyball. So what would you do? Like sit and hang out. Okay. Like there were definitely times that we did play volleyball, but I feel like very quickly it was like, we don't have to do anything, right? And they were like, no. So so just to clarify that, you would go to volleyball, like you would be on the volleyball courts or in adjacent to them and then maybe not play, but it wasn't necessarily like, okay, kids, now it's time to go play volleyball. And you're like, nah, I'm gonna go hang out on the lake for, you know. Yeah, although okay. there were times, especially those first few summers where we, if it got too hot, like in the, I don't know if your camp had this, but there was a lot of chanting at my camp and we would all chant like mass swim and we would have the whole, everybody's programs canceled the whole afternoon and it would just be three hours of swimming or That's like awesome chant like R and R and some, I don't know how often this happened past the first summer or two, but then we would just like that R and R is rest and relaxation, and that's that's what we would have. We would just have R and R. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, certainly did a lot of chanting uh, in my days at camp. Um, I feel like the only thing that, I, that I mean, the thing that immediately comes to mind when I think about like what did we chant for and what did we get for it was usually at song session. If a song session ended and we wanted to sing more, then people would pound on the tables and say we want more until yeah. you know the song leader would come back up and uh and sing a few more songs mass swim i'm like all like in the moment you said it i'm like why didn't we do that that would have been so awesome like just a big <laughs> free-for-all in the pool that would be so fun i i think yeah. we could have fit i'm sure yeah. we had oh, times well, we had when a we... lake we had a lake and then as the camp got a little fancier then we got a pool ah oh wow okay so you started out sans pool sans pool interesting um, yeah so yeah it was like it was really interesting it was upstate in the berkshires um 
yeah, I mean, you know, I guess like, yeah, I guess I did. I think there was also like something really like appealing about going away for two months and being with a whole different set of people. Like I loved my friends, but I think like there was something that really felt so special about like summer when you're at camp and every summer was like, ideally a new opportunity or something different. And I don't think that really happened, but I think, I think you saw it as like eight whole weeks for like, and who knows what could happen, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that was the excitement uh, for me, for sure. Every summer was like, what's going to happen this year? And, you know, right. There was always the mix of the old and the new. It's like, okay, it's your buddies. Uh, you've known them forever. You're excited to see them, but there's always going to be, you know, something new, something's changed, new people, perhaps, uh, you know, or you're, or you're, you know, you're growing up. So you're in a new unit. You've learned some new curse words. Like, you know, there was always, you know, new things to, uh, to explore and, uh, and try out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. You talked about, about, uh, you know, some of the, you know, drinking and, and, and drugs and things like that. I mean, I think that's pretty prevalent uh stereotypically uh at camps um i i again another thing i'm very curious about like today's camps like is that still a thing or is that not uh for for lots of different reasons um our camp was in the middle of nowhere in mississippi so we really didn't have access to those kinds of things. You couldn't leave the campgrounds at night. Oh. Um, and I feel like a lot of the times that I hear people talk about those those kinds of things happening in their camp, it's because once you know the kids go to bed, certain amount of staff could leave camp and go do whatever. And you're right, like you're talking about, you know, 17 year olds, like what else are you gonna do if you're 17? And that's probably what you're gonna go do. Wasn't it so hot in Mississippi? That's all I keep thinking about. <laughs> Unbelievably hot. Unbelievably like, hot. And we didn't have air conditioning either. I can't even imagine. My camp was in, like, it was upstate New York. So it would be really hot during the day and then cold at night. So, like, I remember being in, like, a sweatshirt, like, freezing at night. And we would go, all the counselors would shower at night because that's when you had hot water. So we would go shower, but you would wear a sweater over your towel because it was too cold to like <laughs> walk around, like, like all these weird specific things. And then also, um, like it rained so much. And there were times, I remember one time there was somebody, a counselor, I think like we had a certain number of counselors that always came from Israel every year. And I don't know why I remember this specifically that he it was an Israeli counselor, but he was drinking water from the water fountain. I believe this is what happened. And the water fountain got struck by lightning. Like, like it was like genuinely dangerous sometimes. Like, like, like how the lightning was <laughs> like, they were like, I feel like branches would fall and like different things and like things would get struck by lightning. Um, was he okay? He was okay. He was okay. Because, because here's why I ask. I feel like if that happened to an American, like hospital, you know, whatever, but because it happened to an Israeli, I just immediately assume that they knew how, like he, you know, did a f flip backwards or uh, rolled the ground, like knew exactly what to do to just sort of shake it off. I believe like <laughs> it was the water fountain and not him. I could be wrong. I don't think it was him, but like he was definitely very close to what was hit by lightning. Yeah. Um, and he was okay. But I just remember like lightning being a real concern 
all the time. You know, it's <laughs> funny. We, we literally just talked about this the other day. Like, right. I mean, thunderstorms in the South yeah. in the summertime are intense. I mean, we yeah. had one yesterday that was just crazy because it's right. I'm not a weather person, but yes, very humid, very hot, etc. That was the case in Mississippi, but I don't have a lot of memories of like lightning being, you know, a thing that we had to concern ourselves with. I think I remember like one time there was maybe a tornado uh, alarm or something where we had to like huddle somewhere. It rained all the time. I'm sure there was lightning, but I don't remember it ever being a thing that like, oh shit, run, you know, run to the building because we're out in a field. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. You said uh, you said y'all would shower at night and you would wear a sweater uh, or a sweatshirt yeah. over your towel. It was the exact opposite in Mississippi. Yeah. You would take a shower and then you would have to air dry for like That's thirty minutes because you couldn't stop being wet because yeah. it was so humid. That's um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, but, it was. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just say it's whatever you're used to, right? Like it's whatever you grow up with. This seems you can handle it. If you were to go to Mississippi for camp, having done that for a number of years, it probably would have been an adjustment and vice versa uh, for me. But yeah, we'd, uh, we'd come out of the dining hall on Friday nights and in the, in the old dining hall, there was no air conditioning and you'd have like 300 people packed into this tiny little uh, place and you've got song session and it's super energetic Mm -hmm. and you're just pouring sweat and you walk out of the dining hall into 95 degree weather and you're like, oh my God, it feels so good out here. It is so much cooler. <laughs> yeah, I think we had like a lot of renovations happened while I was at camp. So we had two different dining halls, one for meat, one for dairy. Um, and I think the dairy one definitely got a renovation while I was there and it got air conditioning because I feel like, yeah, it was rebuilt or something. And the meat one, if I recall correctly, didn't have air conditioning um, ever, but they added, I remember they added like, they added like a, somebody donated a bunch of money and they were able to add like um, a screening room to it. So that was also where a lot of time was spent in this air conditioned screening room, especially as a counselor. Um, I'll like never forget this. This is like, like embedded into me. I remember being a counselor and for some reason we were watching an episode of Sex in the City. And it's the episode of Sex in the City where Carrie is dating that guy. I don't know if you've seen the show. I've seen the show. Okay, so Carrie's dating that guy Burger and he writes his book and he said and she's like giving him a hard time and she's like no New York City woman would ever wear a scrunchie. Right? Like none of them. And he like they're in line and he, there's a woman in front of them wearing a scrunchie and he like like goes to say something to her and then like she's a southern tourist and at that time I had a scrunchie on me (laughs) like and I I like literally and uh one of like my like friends who was a guy but giving me a hard time was like scrunchie and I after that never bought another scrunchie ever again never (laughs) it is like I've never looked at a scrunchie and not thought of that it is it haunts me (laughs) and now i have friends who wear scrunchies and i think they're like kind of back but not for you no No. i can't even in a post-pandemic world you're not ready to uh to to 
reconsider that, huh? I think I was so embarrassed that I left it there. And then later, um, a different friend got a um, hand job in the screening room and um, used my scrunchie in a way that you would think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, let's just say that when you say the word scrunchie to me, that is the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> Not me personally, just for the record. Yeah. Uh, but that is also what I, that is what I associate scrunchie with when I think of camp. Oh, good times. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's transition from that uh, and go to our Campfires and Color Wars questionnaire title still pending. Uh, this is just a chance to hear some more uh, stories from your camp experience. So number one, tell us about your most romantic moment at camp. Um, a romantic moment. Um, God, I have a moment that's like almost the opposite of romantic. Okay, well, let's hear it. It's not about me. I, maybe some people think this is romantic. Um, so, um, there was this, like, these two, like, a counselor and another, like, they weren't, they were, like, program staff. I don't know if you had that. But there were like these two members of program staff. One did like arts and crafts. I forget what the guy did. And for some reason, I remember that he rapped. And during the talent show- For some reason, of course <laughs> you remember that he rapped. <laughs> during the talent show, he raps, he rapped. And he said like, my girlfriend dumped me and dissed me. And everybody like knew it was about her. And then I, I think she broke up with it. So we had, um. We had visiting day and alumni weekend and she broke up with him because she wanted to hook up with somebody during alumni weekend. <laughs> like it was that like weekend between the trips starting. And um, I think they maybe got back together, but yeah, I think about that. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. That is such uh, a camp <laughs> thing to do. That is such a camp thing to do. So yeah. when he rapped that, that she dumped him, that was prior to her dumping him? I think it was like it after was she dumped him because we okay. had like we had like banquet and talent show at the end of the first trip. Then like yeah. campers would leave the next day. Then like over the weekend, there'd be visiting day and like alumni night, weekend, whatever. And then the next session would start. So I guess she gave it a couple days before <laughs> alumni weekend. And she wasn't whatever. thinking about the re repercussions of her actions that this is someone who you know, was going to drop some bars. You didn't uh, know that he was going to write a rap about her. <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. Um, all right, well, number two, tell us about your best camp performance. My best camp performance? Okay, so my second year of camp, for whatever reason, I guess like the, I was in a shack, so it was called shacks. I was in, so you're on, the way my camp work, it worked is like, you were up on the hill. The hill is like little kids, like seven, eight, nine. Jun then there's junior unit, then there's senior unit. So um, I was in junior unit and I got to mo get moved up. I like a little early um, to junior unit. So I was always a little behind because I have a birthday in the fall. So I got moved to junior unit when I was 10, even though I was supposed to be 11. And I was in this shack. There was bunks, shacks and cabins. And like when you get to senior unit, that's like when you're 13, 14, you get a lot more like freedom. And we had um, a five day trip. So you would go, we went, when I did it, I went to like Boston, Virginia beach. And it was like 
really cool. And that's when you kind of, after that, become like a counselor in training and then a counselor. But every time you would move down, you would move down the hill a little more. And that was like always more desirable because as a camper and a counselor, because when you're down the hill, it's like flatter. There's <laughs> access to, yeah, sure. flatter. There's yeah. access to like the better waterfront. It's just like, and it's just easier, you know, like walking up the hill. Kind yeah, of walking up a hill sucks. I'm with you. I, I don't know if you have this at your camp. It was so dark. It was so dark all the time. And it was hard to see. Yeah, I, I mean, we were, I was gonna say, I mean, we were certainly in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. Yeah. I think there was some lighting, but, uh, oh. but yeah, if there's a big hill, I can see where that could be problematic. Yeah, so, and some of the trails like not cut or paved very well. So I was in the, I was in Shack 6 and we were at the, called the Shack 6 Spaz Attacks. I don't know why, but that's what other kids called us. We were the Shack 6 Spaz Attacks. And then I don't remember if it was the end of our first trip or, oh, it must've been the end of the second session. And our counselors hated us. I don't know why, but our counselors- like, I like, I like that you're like, okay, everybody calls us spazzes. I don't know why. Our counselors hated us. Not sure what that was about. I don't know. Feels like we're, we're painting a picture here, but keep going. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, um, like our counselors thought we were really bad, but I'm like, how bad could we have been? Right. We were like 10 and 11 year old girls. Yeah. But this girl had come from another camp and to my camp and she taught us all a dance to say my name by Destiny's Child. And we performed it. And it's my, my counselor said that it was the only time that she ever felt proud of us. Like the whole summer was when we performed this dance I don't know how we decided this, but what we decided to wear was our camp t-shirts. So we all wore our matching camp t-shirts and Sophie shorts and did a dance to say my name by Destiny's Child. And my and it's like it it redeemed us after being called the Shack Six Spaz Attacks. Is there nothing that Destiny's Child and Beyonce can't solve? No, I mean, exactly. I feel like that's the lesson that I'm taking yeah. away from this. Um, also, you can cut this, but one of those counselors stole money from me. And my parents were so mad. She used, she, you, you know, think? How, yeah. <laughs> you know how we had calling cards to call home. She, I like had this email from my dad, and it was like had a joke on it. And you know, I'm like ten years old, and underneath that, it has all the information about like the calling card numbers. And I guess I showed the counselors the joke because I was like, at this joke from my dad, you know, whatever. And she memorized the numbers and used my calling card. So she got fired and was like banned from camp. My parents were pissed. Oh my God. Yeah. Who is she calling? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, like she stole from me and I was a child. I was a straight up child. That is incredible. Also, yeah. it's very, it's such a dated thing, right? Like calling cards. Yeah. I yes. remember I could memorize like it's like people who can memorize pi like a thousand decimals. Yeah, that is how I was with calling cards yes. that I needed, you know, to call home from various places over the world. Yeah. And that all is gone. Like, I know, we'll I know. never need that, that ever again. Yeah, that would never happen now. But so this sounds like a pretty awesome counselor. She told <laughs> you uh, specifically that the only time she ever enjoyed your company was this one dance. Uh, and she stole your calling card. Stole my money, um, <laughs> or my parents' money. Sure. But like, and I feel like also like 
and this is a performance that also this is something that haunts me i don't know if you um i don't know if you had this at your camp but we had um weekly like we had onag every week so every week um accounts like a, a group like junior unit senior unit um the hill or like the cits uh would have like a week to do like you had to do a skit and then at the end you would sing a song like a you would make i don't know if your camp had this but we were huge on making up words to songs yes so very yeah. much so so we did that a lot and it was like important and um I, like the oneg would be a skit and it would have to have like a jewish theme because of like whatever that week's torah portion was but it was also a chance for everybody to make fun of the counselors and like things like that so like people would like be so mean to each other if you can believe it and it was just like saying who everybody was hooking up with <laughs> but I, and as like by the time i was a cit like you know people like were shooting you know video portions of it and for some reason it was decided that there would be a part where somebody was like that that bob guy from um from um uh silence of the lambs okay and i had to be the girl where he says it, it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again and i don't remember how this tied into our like anything yeah. but i remember there being a video of me having to do that <laughs> i hated it i'm so mad <laughs> uh that is awesome yeah the kinds of skits that you would get involved in you know at camp just it's like yeah let's do that why not yeah. and you look back on it now you're a comedy writer and i always yeah. love to ask of this like do you attribute any of your attraction to writing uh, you know humorous pieces to any of your time spent at camp no nobody saw me like that nobody thought i was funny <laughs> um nobody like i there was one skit i wrote that i think was pretty funny but i was not really like allowed to do that only like they only really let boys do that stuff mm. um and they were like so mean there was so much slut shaming you can also maybe cut this there was some a woman who was a counselor and she left and while she left she was in a soft softcore porn and people made fun of her so much and people watched it. And then when we had a skit, people made fun of that in front of the whole camp. Yeah, I mean, I like to think that we have uh, expanded our boundaries today. Um, I don't see that happening. Like, I think that would have happened just about anywhere uh in in the in the 90s or any time yeah. previous that doesn't exclude i mean doesn't make it acceptable no yeah um, exactly but uh that that seems like a product of the times mm -hmm. uh as well how long was she gone from camp for it was more like she was like it wasn't like she left for a few weeks it was like she was a counselor she stopped coming to camp and then she came back years later oh got it okay like something like that so it wasn't like, on a day off no <laughs> No, there was just so much stuff like that where like like and like just like everybody like kind of calling each other out for stuff yeah we uh so i two of the things that i think most fondly of for my time at camp and i also think i have talent for because of uh is writing parody songs uh and roasting people I, I can't believe how many parody songs we wrote. Sometimes <laughs> I can't hear songs because I still hear 
the lyrics to the parody songs. Yeah. And it it kind of drives me crazy, especially because we had Color War. And like, like there was like so many different like like um classic songs that we bastardized <laughs> for our own purpose. Improved uh, upon, but sure, you know, tomato tomato. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like that was a huge part for Color War. We had a fight song. It was cheer, fight and alma mater so cheer was just like pumping us up like rah 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 whatever fight was like we're gonna fucking kill you um <laughs> we did want to like paint it black one year and it was like scary and then alma mater was like we miss you and um we're sorry <laughs> and there were also skits during color war and we made fun of like mostly like the other team but like the captains and the generals of color war yeah and oh god i would have had so much fun doing that i can tell you <laughs> one time i was made fun of was um so there were like different competitions at night for the counselors and one of them for some reason was a beet eating contest and beet um, eating beet eating i don't know why but i i remember i was like you know, fine, I'll do it. I'll do the beet eating contest. What do I care? Sure. Fine. And the general from the White other White was the judge of the beet <laughs> yeah. eating contest. Okay. Uh the female general from the other team, because every team had two like a male female general, male female captain, and I think like a sit CIT captain, like male female CIT captain. And which later became from went from counselor in training to leader in training, but that's a whole <laughs> other thing so i um was up against the female general and somebody was like do you like eating beets and she goes no but she looks at me and she's like but i'll win and i was like bitch no you won't <laughs> so i ate 179 slices of beets and she got sick and i didn't and i won holy and, crap and the one time that i got made fun of was in that color war somebody said like you know like can you believe like Lana ate all those beats and her line was like, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Cause it was like Anchorman. And it was like, yeah, sorry, I won. <laughs> I don't think I've had 189 or 79 slices of beets cumulatively in my life. I don't even like beets. I just <laughs> wanted to prove her wrong. I was like, you're not gonna win. Sorry. Damn straight. Yeah. That is that is <laughs> impressive. My uh if I were wearing a hat, I would uh, I would definitely tip it to you. I'm not, um, I'm not super competitive, to be honest, but when somebody thinks that they're telling me they're going to, when somebody says they're going to beat me, I'm like, no, you won't. Yeah. Yeah. Beats, beats for days. Mm -hmm. uh, you should have brought uh, the guy who rapped to, uh, you know, <laughs> to give you a baseline while you're doing it. <laughs> it's true. I should have. Beats yeah. for beats. Um, all right. Number three, uh, tell us about your most embarrassing camp experience. It might have been that. Um, no, <laughs> um, I have to think. God, I feel like there's so many. <laughs> um, oh, God. This isn't that embarrassing, but I mean, I guess it's kind of embarrassing. I remember like I traded my, oh, you know what it is? Honestly, this is a horrible story and I carry the shame with me. I remember one time I was at, uh, like there was a bar we used to go to and I was, everybody smoked. I didn't realize like when I was younger, how much adults smoke until yeah. I went to the bar and yeah. everyone's smoking. And I have like maybe smoked a cigarette before in my life. I don't know at this point, but I had a cigarette and I held it in between my middle finger and my ring finger. 
instead of my uh, middle finger and forefinger, just like for a second, but somebody noticed like an older counselor and she just never let me live it down. And I got made fun of so much. And she was like, look at how she's holding a cigarette. Oh my God. And I was like, what do you want from me? Also, you are so like so much older. Leave me alone. Right. But that was really embarrassing. That's when you haul out a big bucket of beets and you're like, we're going to settle this right now. I demand satisfaction. Yeah. And then you sit down with the beets. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I can relate to that. Uh, you never, you never want to feel like you're not as cool as the, as the rest of the kids when, when there's something going on. Um, it's funny. I, I, you know, I take some amount of pride in this, although I have asthma, so that's probably part of it, but I've never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. So I'm hearing you say that. I'm thinking like, I don't know. How do you hold, I guess it's between, yeah, I guess I've seen it enough in the movies. And I did this and I'm like, I mean, you're one finger off. Like that's not, you know, I was also like 15 (laughs) and she had to have been at least 20, 21. She was my former counselor. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) you're like, what are you doing? You stole all my my credit card information. (laughs) Don't comment on my, on my cigarette smoking. Clearly engendered a lot of trusted adults for me. (laughs) Uh, All right. Number four, top bunk or bottom bunk? I think bottom bunk when I was younger. And then as I got older, I liked having the top bunk. I like being able to have a view, you know, see everything that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And as a counselor, were you were you oh. always bottom as uh, as a counselor, or did you? Yeah, well, counselors had CQ counselors quarters, and it, they were like bigger, kind of nicer bunks where it was one bed, not a bunk bed, and like more like um like shelf space and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Were you in the? But you're still in the same building as the as the kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Got then it. the program staff all lived together, and they didn't live with kids necessarily. Every right. once in a while, if there wasn't space. They would there maybe be a program staff member in a bunk, but for the most part, um, program staff lived like in a shack together and then yeah. like were able to kind of live more freely, so to speak. <laughs> um, very cool. All right, number five. What's one thing I feel like you're gonna we've already touched on, I feel like many of these things, but so this is a very uh, uh in hindsight, this is an appropriate question. What's one thing you did at camp that they would never let you do now? Oh my God. Does it have to be something I did or can it be something that happened? No, just something that that okay. was a thing at camp. This is a crazy story, I think. So um, when I was like um, my first summer, so a lot of times counselors used to like try and do like fun things. Like they would take us like stargazing or sometimes um, like, especially for the girls, they do like nighttime showers because like, then you can get a hot shower and it's kind of like a treat if you've been good or like, you know, like, um, (laughs) sorry, I'm just laughing at the, okay, you were good today. We're going to let you take a hot shower. (laughs) But if you ask for more, Oh, that's going (laughs) to so awful. Like being like waiting for the, like the cold waiting in line for a freezing cold shower was horrible, horrible. (laughs) And so you know, they do stuff like that. And there was also like, especially as you got a little older, like trips to town, like there used to be this thing called the ice cream farm where they like made the ice cream there and like a cute upstate store or like, you know, a trip into town to like go to the, um, like there was like a pretty popular deli, you know, things like that. But I remember my first summer, 
the last night of camp, my counselors like wanted to do something special for us. And um, so what they did was um, they, so they like were all asleep. My bunk, I was in bunk nine and the bunk next to me, bunk seven. They like bang and like on everything. They wake everybody up and they're like, we have to go to the soccer fields. We are evacuating. Um, somebody from the nearby in, in, insane asylum has escaped. Oh God. We gotta <laughs> get out of here. So they're like, take what you can. We gotta get out of here. Take what go. you can. <laughs> we, they start leading us down and it's so dark, like so grassy. They start leading us down to the soccer field. And then soccer field, safest place you can be when someone yeah, is escaping from the same emer- asylum. We used to have like drills and that was the emergency. Like if something happens, like that's where you got to go. Yeah. They, then these, a, like a man comes out, screams at us. And we like, are like, they're like, girls, like he's here. Like we have to like go back to the bunks, go hide under your beds, go, go, go. So we're all hiding under our beds. And at this point, and you believe this is real. We all believe it's real. Okay, we are gotcha. Seven and nine-year-old girls. Got it. Okay. And like we're hiding. We think we're gonna die. <laughs> and they're like, okay, girls, it was a prank. <laughs> and we're all like, I was okay. <sighs> Everybody around me is crying, 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 crying. One girl told me later that like years later that she peed under my bed because she was so scared. <laughs> oh my god! And it was my counselor's boyfriend that was like the one who came out and he, I can't. And he was a scary guy to be honest. <laughs> that is, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah, and like that I is so. Where, I yeah. mean, like that is so ridiculous and inappropriate and but at the same time like that makes me laugh so hard to it's just picture so the funny. whole thing it's so funny in retrospect <laughs> you can't do that to seven year olds <laughs> no no and like my counselor's boyfriend and her used to like 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 I, like i don't want to say like beady like they used to throw each other around like he was a scary kind of guy and like she would fight back so i think they were both into it but like <laughs> i remember one night i was nine years old and i remember hearing her hit him and her fighting outside the bunk and i remember being like hey are you okay <laughs> like is he okay to you <laughs> and i was nine but i thought my counselor was getting beat up every night oh my god wow that was a journey you just took me on yeah i was there yeah. with you i felt yeah. i felt all the feels um that is insane i I know (laughs) i could talk about this forever so much weird shit happened i don't even know like i don't even know how i like like i think about it and i'm like i can't believe this is a place i went every year for two months now something like that happens are you writing your parents and telling them are you like do your how much do your parents know some of these things are, are going on or, well, or for them, like, is it just like, no, this is what camp is like, like many of us would have felt I, probably in, when we went. Yeah. I was going home the next day, I think. So I don't think I told my parents, but I think other girls did. Yeah. I didn't tell my parents that there were some things I would tell them, like, 
uh, throughout like the years, but also my first summer, I, um, I had this thing happen where, oh, they, they gave, I'm allergic to penicillin, but I didn't know yet. And like my parents put on my oh, file, wow. like might be allergic to penicillin and they gave it to me anyway. <laughs> and I broke out in hives Sure. all over my body. Um, so I guess my parents were already kind of on alert and then just kept letting me go back. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, she could suffer a severe trauma from a insane asylum prank, but we will get two months uh, of, uh, you know, yeah, a break. So, um, hmm. also the insane asylum was like, I think it was an abandoned insane, as insane asylum and it was like not far from camp and it was like spooky. And that's like how you knew you were getting closer because you passed the insane asylum. Right. It's yeah. funny because like, because, because my dad was the director, oh, I sort God. of just knew more about how camp worked. And I'm just imagining myself in that scenario. All the other kids are freaking out. I would have a hundred percent been like, y'all, this is just a prank. Like, relax. Like, it's fine. We're going to be fine. They can't do anything to us. But even as, even as that young, I probably would have known. It's funny. My, so my nephew is at camp. And uh, I feel like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Apparently, uh, this this summer, um, he uh, his counselor, I guess, had his phone in the cabin during rest hour, which I think is a no no. Um, and he busted him, and he's like, "I don't think you're supposed to be doing that." And he's nine, and I love the fact that he's aware that yeah. that's not something a counselor is allowed to do. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, it runs yeah. in the family, I guess. Yeah, uh, that is that is incredible. Um, all right, well, let's move on to our final segment, which we call "Bitches and Roses," aka "Roses and Thorns," aka "Coals and Diamonds," aka "Pals and Wows," aka "Strawberries and Lemons." I don't know. Did you guys have this? Did you have a different uh, "Peaks and Valleys"? That's another one. We did. Uh, we did have this. That we didn't do this all the time, but I did have one counselor who talked about doing roses and thorns. Okay, I'm always on the search for, for more names to add to the list, but it's really just a chance for you to share one uh, one good thing, one bad thing that you have going on uh, in your life, uh, big or small. Uh, so I will happily uh, cede the floor to you, you can go first. Um, I will say it's the same thing. I um, uh, My rose is also my thorn. I am a, I'm freelancing, I'm a freelance writer, full-time freelance for the first time, and um, that's, so cool it's incredible i'm like feel so lucky that like i get to do that um and also it's really hard <laughs> so um they are one in the same yeah i can relate to that uh immensely uh as we are recording this uh for sure yes. there is you know you love the freedom you love the flexibility uh but it it you don't really have a you know a parachute so uh, there's there's some peaks and valleys, uh, no pun intended, yes. uh, in the experience of sort of working for yourself, uh, kind of. Um, so I can I can relate to that. Um, well, my my rose uh, is definitely uh, that again. As we are as we are recording this, my kids are at camp, yeah. um, and I'm just loving uh, that they're on this journey. And uh, you know, we get letters from them that are uh, of complete. Uh, zero value. They don't tell us anything 
remotely uh, interesting or, or give us any insight into how it's going, but that's what letters are like from camp. So, you know, I got to get used to it. Um, but I'm so glad they're there and having fun. And my thorn is uh, we have lived in our house for like 10 years mm -hmm. and we have done zero to it. Uh, and, uh, that's mostly my fault. Uh, I'm typically responsible for house maintenance stuff and it's just kind of all coming to a head. And so basically like everyone's like, what have, what have you done with the, with your kids are out, uh, you know, at camp, like, are you guys taking a trip? Are you like, nope, I've been home pretty much every day having things done to the house that have been long, long overdue. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's expensive and it sucks, yeah. <laughs> but it's also, you know, this is what happens when you don't take care of a place for a decade. This is the kind of thing that, uh, that will, that will come up. So I have no one to myself, uh, but myself to blame. Uh, but, uh, it's definitely my thorn. Um, all right. Well, uh, that is our show. Uh, this was really fun. I definitely, um, have many, many follow-up questions that maybe we'll save for another time, uh, on some Thank of those stories. Um, Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, but that was great. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on all available podcast listening uh, tools. We're actually on Spotify now. Hooray, I finally got around to doing it. The process took like three seconds. I was immediately angry at myself for having not done it sooner. Um, but uh, you can find us there. Uh, it's Campfires and Color Wars. Uh, I used to say that you can follow us on social media, Campfires and Color Wars, but of course that has now changed to Who Knows One uh, because the game show has far outpaced uh, the podcast. But you can still catch us at Who Knows One. We do still talk about camp from time to time. Uh, Lana, if people want to see your stuff or find you online, where can we send them? Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at character actress Lana Schwartz. I'm on Twitter at underscore Lanabelle. And then you could buy my book. Uh, it's called Build Your Own Romantic Comedy and it's available wherever books are sold. Yeah, I saw that title. Can you just give me a, a brief overview of what that is? Cause it sounds hilarious. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a mix and match uh, where you get to uh, decide what happens in a rom-com. So kind of like of, a choose your own adventure, but yeah, instead of like dying in a cave. Yeah, it's like a love letter to slash send up of romantic comedies. Oh, very cool. Thank you. Um, if you want to find me on social, I'm on Twitter at Micah Hearts. Uh, and if you want to catch new episodes of Who Knows One, we stream live every Wednesday night, nine o'clock Eastern on the campfire. Oh, see, here we go. On the, <laughs> I'm still doing it. Uh, on the Who Knows One Facebook page. Uh, of course, if you want to reach out to us with your memories of incredibly inappropriate behavior by counselors uh, or pranks gone wrong, you can always email us uh, at uh, summercamppod at gmail.com. Uh, and with that, uh, thank you again, Lana. And as we wrap up, I always like to uh, finish with a thing that my dad used to say uh, that uh, time is precious at camp and you got to make the most of it. So he would always say, don't waste a minute. So I will say to you, don't waste a minute, Lana. And you can say back to me. Don't waste a minute. Or am I supposed to say time is precious at camp? No, no, you did it right. No. <laughs> Don't waste a minute. I always love to see if I can get the guests to say it without me actually telling them what to say. And you okay. did pretty well. Okay, good, good. good. Happiness runs in a circular motion. Thought is like a little boat upon the sea. Everybody is a part of everything anyway. You can have everything if you let yourself be. Happiness runs, happiness runs
Happiness runs, happiness runs. Happiness runs, happiness runs. Happiness runs.